0: Hey, this is Nick Walters again with the National Hemp Growers Webinar Wednesday or Wednesday Webinar. I think it's Webinar Wednesday is what we what we call it. I've been accused of uh, calling it something uh, bass ackwards from time to time, but but we always enjoy uh, having our legal buddies on, our buddies outside of the legal. How about that? But our our uh, uh, guys here with uh, uh, Whit and Hunter, who are part of the Bradley Cannabis Group, and have continued to give us good counsel about a myriad of different things. You never want to get too far off the reservation without having your lawyer. with you. So it's, it's good to, to have these guys around. And, um, thanks again, fellas for, for coming back with us again.
1: No problem. I found that, uh, people's willingness to have us back is inversely proportional to our fees. So, uh, we appreciate you having us. <laughs> so when the
0: big fee comes in then you're, you're too expensive to get back. Is that yeah. how it works? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you keep telling yourself that. That'd be fine. That'd be, um, <laughs> so, um, you know, this may be kind of delving off, if we can have this conversation, delving off maybe into some of it that is policy, but it certainly is is a legal issue. And and let me start off with this premise, okay, with, with kind of what I'm picking up on. Having been to the Southern Hemp Expo just a couple of weeks ago, having been out uh, with a... a number of um, hemp industry leaders, there's starting to be this kind of two things taking place. One is the grain and fiber folks, of which our co-op members are the majority in in this camp, kind of wanting to separate out the CBD folks. Just because the CBD market's got all this FDA stuff, as we know, and it's got all these other things, and we know we've got some bad actors that have been in there before that promise everything in the moon about what CBD is going to be and all these ongoing issues. Okay. Uh, THC raw. So there's kind of that going on within the industrial hip world or the hip world. It's another thing to even break away from the cannabis piece. I know I'm talking a lot on this, but. So there's that kind of a dynamic that seems to be going on from a regulatory end. But the thing that's really interesting to me on the grain and fiber side is kind of the second part of the conversation: is why is it the why is it the plant regulated based off of what the end use is going to be? If I'm going, if this shirt were made out of hemp fiber instead of cotton. Um, I'm not going to smoke this shirt. And so why would I, you know, why would that have to, why couldn't that be regulated in the regs be around what the end use is going to be instead of the, um, uh, just word about the THC on the front end. So those are two big sided loaded questions. I know. And, and, um, uh, but I'd love to get y'all's input on it.
1: Um, honor. I'm happy to start on and, uh, I think they're both important. Let's make sure we, we hit them both. Um, you know, uh, Nick, I think your, your observation is right. Um, I think the very first thing that the hemp industry tried to do, uh, in a big way was distinguish themselves from the marijuana business. Um, and that was smart in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we're not the people who do this. We're the people who do this. Um, and, uh, that was important. It would probably, uh, I'm not sure the farm bill, 2018 farm bill happens. Um, you know, if that wasn't made clear to Congress, um, but then certainly since then, um, it's become more and more apparent that industrial hemp and, uh, let's just say CBD for shorthand, but you know, CBD and and other sort of hemp derived, um, things like CBD, CBGs, all that other stuff. Um, you probably deserve to be um treated in a materially different way and maybe even regulated by different um entities. Uh the second part we'll get into in a second about why it's regulated and, and why that may or may not be the right idea. But um, you know, it, it, oddly enough, just for the almost for the same reason that um, the hemp industry writ large wanted to distinguish itself from the marijuana industry writ large has become the reason that the hemp the industrial hemp wants to distinguish itself from the cbd side um and and that's not because it's all all bad um, or all has negative connotations I and mean, it's far from it um, and there's some remarkable innovation happening on the uh cbd side just as there is on the uh industrial side um but there are some bad actors um, and there's just regulations in place um, that just don't exist on the uh, industrial side. You know, For example, the industrial side is not nearly as concerned about health claims. Um, but that is a just a critical uh, component of what the Federal Trade Commission and the FDA are looking at on the CBD side. And I'm not sure that it hurts either side to have them separated out. I think it certainly helps the industrial hemp side to be able to go to uh, regulators and policymakers and be able to say, look, here's why we're different. You know, we're the ones making uh, car doors and shirts and, you know, fuel substitutes. You know, we're not the people who, you know, you might see at a gas station for $2. And then I think there's people on, but on the CBD side, I mean, I think it benefits for them saying, look, we need more, you know, we can't just be treated like those guys because we have a very specific product and we can't, and, you know, we should have regulation, but it needs to be targeted, it needs to be thoughtful. And, I mean, I think it needs to be, in many ways, tougher um, on the CBD side. Uh, and I think people who are reputable you know, pro- producers of CBD um, and, and those types of products and who are willing to play by the rules and have a higher barrier to entry, um, I think they tend to agree. You know, it's the people, it's the people who the only way they can differentiate their product is by making unsubstantiated health claims. You know, those seem to be the only ones who don't welcome, you know, our robust regulation. So, um, you know, th- those things are all happening and and I, and I think they will, I think there will be a change, um, over time. It's just new. It's so new. I mean, it's, you know, it feels like we've been living this every day and in many ways we we have, but I mean hemp has been legal for, what, three years, um, you know, ba- basically, and, you know, nobody knew what was happening for the, probably the first, you know, almost year of it, except that it was going to be a thing. And then, then FDA kind of came in and kind of muddied it up from what people thought it was going to be. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why, I mean, the government's also had a couple other things on its mind in the last two years. And so, you know, they haven't they haven't been acting as, as quickly as as you'd like and and that's the government, which is never gonna act as quickly as you like. So um that's a lot of what I think is going on. But I mean Hunter, what what are your thoughts just sort of on that issue generally?
2: You know, I mean I think you nailed it. I do think they 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 have different needs from a regulatory standpoint and, and kind of different interests. But you know, as far as how you would kind of separate it out, especially on the THC front, gets difficult, right? Because I mean, all of the and even going over to the the medical and recreational marijuana side, uh, just by way of example, you know, all the, mer- the kind of enforcement memorandums that the government has issued this basically taking the hands off approach to state legal marijuana. A lot of it is about diverting from state legal dispensaries to illegal operations. And, you know, the same thing can kind of happen on that on the hemp front. You know, you say, OK, well, look, I'm growing this for hempcrete. Uh, if it goes five percent, who cares? Nobody's smoking it. I mean, you could tell them that, but, you know, the whole point of that kind of stuff is to keep it from going out the back door and going out the back door at 5% is a worse outcome from the government's perspective than going out the door at 0.3. You know, so it kind of gets difficult to, to I think carve it out in the front end like that, you know, it does, you know, if you're not making something for consumption, making a hemp product for consumption, then you don't have to deal with those FDA regulations. So you do kind of, wiggle into different regulatory frameworks with the ones for, you know, CBD products being more onerous than just kind of hemp for industrial purposes, but kind of how to carve it out any more than that on the front end kind of, it's it's difficult to imagine a way to do that. Although perhaps not impossible. And there's interesting question too, of like,
1: when does, when does your obligation to have a, License to handle or process hemp, or mainly like some states have hemp handling laws, licenses. Presumably, the person wearing the hemp shirt that they bought at the store doesn't need a license. Um, I mean, I think we all kind of agree on that. But you know, where's the middleman? Is it you know when you have some sort of final product? Is it is it when there's still sort of processing sort of left to be done? And then, you know, when you walk it back, you get the Hunter's sort of, you know, original point, which is exactly right. And I think the reason that it's a classic way that the government would approach something, which is we're afraid that this is going to be problematic. Like, we're not sure about this. We're going to let that we're going to do this farm bill thing. You know, we're going to do the 2014 pilot and then, OK, Scott the sky didn't fall. So We're going to do this 18 thing. And, you know, maybe they'll figure out a way to sort of loosen up. But the clear presumption in the mind of the government right now is. If we don't watch everybody, then you know, it, people are gonna have start having, you know, hot plant um, you know, out in the world. And so Delta, we, a, Delta
0: yeah. Eight kind of falls along that same mindset, right? Oh, oh, look at there. They
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um it, I've you know, look, the next farm bill is, you know, probably gonna be in what, another 14, 12 to 14 months. Um who knows what we'll see there. I mean, there's a lot of congressional activity and a lot of behind the scenes, um, you know, lobbying already going on sort of in the industry. Um, I think now is certainly the time. If you have a voice, if you have a relationship with, a, a, a legislator, a, you know, a representative, a Senator, um, to, you know, to use it, you know, just, even if it's this, is, this strikes me, I mean, there, of course there'll be, um, you know, well-funded, uh, political players in the mix here, but I think this might be one of the issues more than any other recently that I've seen where education is really, really important. And that once these lawmakers are educated about what the product does and doesn't do, that they actually pretty quickly come around to it. And they realize that it's a, you know, it's not the, um, it's not what people were smoking at Woodstock. It's, it's the type of thing that's gonna have jobs in their, uh, uh, you know, back home. And it's gonna, um, you know, it's gonna make money and the innovation possibilities are just extraordinary. So, um, you know, all right, it's not too early to start sort of ringing up your Congressman, uh, or if you see them, you know, around or go to one of their events, they're they're, uh, just got back from recess. I think that, you know, they'll they'll be coming home several times uh, over the fall and over the winter. And if you have a chance, I mean, I would talk them up about what you're doing, because uh, in my experience, almost every time that they actually hear the difference, they, they start to listen and they become open minded. A lot of times they want to come see a facility or a grow operation, and they realize immediately that this is not at all what they thought it was. And so, you know, all that's a very long way of saying, you know, the 22 farm bill hopefully will uh, clarify ambiguities who knows what they'll do with Delta eight, I suspect something. Um, and, uh, and also in, in the marijuana industry will certainly be, uh, against it. Um, you know, whether that carries the way carries the day just to be seen. Um, but, uh, you know, they'll clarify some things and hopefully they'll start to expand and hopefully they'll start to, you know, make some tweaks that make sense about sort of administrative authority and regulatory authority.
0: Interesting.
2: That that hunter, you think that's that's are um, right on it. No, I mean, I mean, I think that's right on it. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of it's ever evolving, and you know, the with the exception of some things like Delta Eight, I mean, it seems to be going in a more um, you know allowing direction with kind of you know there's talk of increasing the THC limit. I know Senator Paul had a had a bill out there about that. You know, you could see that getting some traction, and and this you know current congress um you know what are you gonna do
1: what do you do if the? i mean doesn't th doesn't georgia have a 0.5 percent thc limit on their medical program right now
2: i'm not sure offhand i mean i know all the low thc ones i mean texas had something similar i believe at some point that are all not much above it's going to be pretty weird
1: when there's a federal limit of you know 0.5 or you know uh you, you know uh you know one or something like that and in, in the medical program uh in georgia is equal to or less than that and you know frankly i'm all in favor of anything that points out this the absurd hypocrisies in the and the <laughs> sort of the arbitrary policy decisions that that we trust people to make but um and you know i mean look that, that i will say this too i mean again on the point of education i mean you know i'm not a scientist I don't have the data in my uh, in my command, but you know, the more people who can get to uh, lawmakers and in pol- other policymakers and show them why you know point three was a fine starting place, but you know, there's no difference in point four or point six, and you know, maybe there's at some point there is a, a difference, right? And you know, why don't we study that and figure that out? And, and and you know, we don't necessarily have to run it up to the limit, but you know, if it allows people to Um, you know, just if it gives a little more cushion and maybe it's even to keep it at 0.3, but you allow the variance um, in terms of what constitutes high or what constitutes an intentional versus a negligent infraction, Um, just sort of knowing what that real world impact of having, you know, twice the THC limit versus three times the THC limit at 1.3. I mean, all of that is extremely important. And candidly, I think that was probably um, thought about for a total of about five minutes uh, before they pass the farm bill. And so, you know, hopefully that's the type of thing that's happening. Those are the types of conversations that are happening. But, um, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, try to be a part of the conversation.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something else that's kind of an add on dynamic to that are the number of states that are uh, getting rid of their state hemp regulation program and giving it back to USDA. And, and I know North Carolina is going to do that in, November, in January. They don't no longer have a program. Wisconsin just announced that they're going to do that. Of course, we here in Mississippi have, have never had the hemp program, and so there's positives and negatives to that, but <clears throat> that putting all of that back then at, at the regulatory level at USDA might be a positive thing because the Farm Bill Regulations make it easier across the board to to enforce because there's no Georgia situation like what you're talking about, or somebody else that does some other thing about that. That will be interesting to watch. Um, I
1: don't know what the answer is for all of it. It Yeah, you know, I'm usually not someone who uh, advocates for um, states ceding a bunch of their authority to. Right there's values to, um, you know, these states are different, right? And so to some extent, they should have different types of rules, but those are really on the margins. And and, and I agree, if, if, if the industry really can grow nationwide and then internationally, there's got to be a measure of consistency. You just can't, you can't have extreme differences in like labeling rules and um, other types of things uh, that are state specific, because it just makes it uh, cost prohibitive, if not actually impossible to comply with all of the rules in every state but with one label or, you know, with one formulation. And so um, I think that's generally a pretty good idea. You know, I can't imagine that's going to do it's, it's hard. the unintended consequences there in terms of sort of the ability of the feds and ability slash willingness of the feds to, you know, actually enforce um, you know the the minutia of a particular you know uh, uh, hemp operation in a given state we'll see um, you know maybe there'll still be a role for local law enforcement there uh, but um you know those are these are huge policy questions huge that that people really don't think about very often and it's it's still a bit of a nation industry and uh and i think that's largely why um some of these really important to see. first of all that's why it's taken the federal government a long time to come out with some of these rules because they understand that it's important but you know just because it takes some time doesn't mean they get it right so i think we're still in a little bit of a trial and error zone i think you saw that the states reflexively thought we got to have some control over this um because 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 this could get out of hand and you know maybe maybe that was reasonable but it pro- it's sounding like it's you know turned out that they didn't have too much to worry about um so you know we'll see but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a a continued trend towards, you know, more of a of a national uh, set of regs. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah
2: and and, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say, as as Nick alluded to in the front end too. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, like most of these sort of government programs, not just in the cannabis industry, but kind of uh, you know environmental regulations, that kind of thing too. A lot of times, the federal rule sets a floor. And states can only regulate more stringently. I mean, there's a lot of the state plans that have been submitted are arguably less favorable or, or clearly less favorable than the USDA plan. Um, I know the changes from the final rule, from the interim final rule to the actual final USDA rule gave states some wiggle room on on sampling and, and testing procedures and things like that. Um, but, you know, on, on a lot of the other kind of key points, the only thing a state could do was, was to do to regulate more stringently than the USDA plan. So, you know, to the extent states keep kind of peeling off, um, you know, it's not clear that, that the regulations on net will get more onerous than, than less.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest benefit that we see from the growers perspective is a license to grow right now is a three-year license. It doesn't cost anything other than your 100 dollars, you have to pay for your fbi background check and then you're done and there's nothing on the processing side that they're except for whatever local rules and regs there are for zoning or you know anything else like that you still have to give i'm sure you know our your state environmental quality folks to check off on what you're doing i mean but nothing different than if i were making any other widget <clears throat> so there's a lot of benefit to, to, to part of that and i think it's going to be interesting as well to understand maybe even those, uh, those, if you make it grain and fiber folks who are kind of singing out the same sheet of music over here because the grower is gonna have a better shot of growing for that, for those markets. And then the CBD folks are over here doing their gig. There's, there are certainly growers that are growing for both sides of that. And so nobody, I think, I've never heard anybody say, well, let's just cut those jokers, CBD jokers out of here, right? I mean, let's just stick it on the, I don't think that's it. I think it's just, just look, and even the fiber stuff, I'm kind of rambling, but that even the fiber stuff is differentiated from the grain folks, right? From the seed folks, because I'm not eating any of this stuff that's going in hemp creek. And so it's, it, you know, cut me a little bit of slack, but I think Hunter, back to your point is when I were, if I were to get a license and even said I'm growing for fiber, says who? Who's really coming out here to double check to know that I'm really am growing for fiber? And if people are trying to find a back door and go, oh well, I changed my mind, or you know, or I'm doing something else with it, and all of a sudden it grew extra hot because you knew it was in the first place. I think it's that kind of thing, right? That the government's just saying, whoa, 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 whoa,
2: whoa. we can't allow something like that. To happen. Exactly, and you know, maybe you could get. I mean, the only as I've been kind of brainstorming after we started this, I mean, maybe you could do it in some way where you're kind of subject, so you're just you're just growing for fiber or just growing for grain, and you get a higher THC limit for that. I mean, you're probably if the government designed a program for that. You're probably going to trade off a lot more onerous regulations on everything else besides that THC limit, because they're going to make sure you're not diverting. You yeah, know, or so maybe it's
0: C. Maybe it's some registered seed that you already know that you're going to have to grow through one of these nine approved seed varieties. I know we're just brainstorming, but I mean, you know, that are that are that are known to have the genetics in them. Somebody in the agronomy world signs off and goes, "Yeah, with all conditions of A, B, and C being correct, that's right. This thing should not be worried about THC
1: over X, whatever the percent is." leave it alone and let the dirt thing grow. things grow you know. Yeah, I think, so. I think science will take a lot of, uh, will overtake a lot of this. And, you know, you don't wanna stifle ingenuity, but I think something like, a, you know, a approved seed list or, you know, something where um, there was some measure of comfort that you needed less oversight uh, if you were growing, you know, certain types of seeds um, and therefore certain types of plants. And then maybe you back in that with harsher enforcement uh, uh, things for someone who, um, you know, look, if a CBD guy who's saying, look, I'm trying to run this thing as close to the limit as I possibly can. I mean, at least everybody knows what he's trying to do. And if he runs it up a little high, you know, there's you know negligent violations. But if somebody comes in and says, man, I'm just making hempcrete and then they get busted, well, then, you know, maybe all of a sudden they're subject to an entirely different type of. Um, punishment that maybe is even harsher because it, because it's almost by definition, um, you know, More not culpable. Just, yeah. But just some angle with like, look, all right, you know, you want to go down this road and like, you're going to play by the rules then fair enough, but if and maybe you'll have a little less oversight, but you know, if we're going to be just like if the cops showed up in my house right now and I was growing a bunch of uh, marijuana in the backyard, I mean, I'd be in an awful lot of trouble and I wouldn't be able to talk about like, well, I didn't realize it you know, had all the stuff it had in it type thing. Uh, So, you know, you know, again, all these are just ideas, but uh, I think a lot of this will be taken care of uh, as the science develops um, and we can figure out because, you know, once, because there's always going to be the possibility of, you know, chicanery and and, and misuse of product, but eventually we're going to get to a point where everybody sort of understands what the, you know, benefits of certain uh, strains are and seeds are, and it's not going to be worth, or you're not gonna be able to make any money, you know, trying to run a scheme. Um, you'd be better off just, you know, growing marijuana illegally. Um, and so, and rolling the dice. So, you know, again, hopefully this is the type of stuff we'll, will tighten up, but it's, it's the type of questions that people are grappling with and they're pretty important. And, um, you know, you just hope that the people making the decisions, uh, you know, they're, they're educated.
0: Awesome! Super cool! Great council! Great thoughts! Any other wrap-up thoughts before we uh, head on? Before we see you next month? Not for me. Uh, Well, uh, thank you for everybody who's uh, tuned in. Next week we will uh, have some of the um, uh, Auburn University hunters. Alma Mater. War Eagle. uh, (laughs) War Eagle, get on it. Uh, we've got some of uh, their help team from the Alabama Extension Service. Let's make sure we don't say the Alabama University Ex- University of Alabama Extension Service. This is the, the, at Auburn, uh, and and some of the uh, key agronomists there that are and folks that are in their uh, ag school, as well as some uh, folks on the ground who are who are with the Extension Service who've been working a whole great deal with helping growers understand more about how to grow hemp. So they'll be on with us next week. And we hope that you'll uh, be able to tune back in and and listen uh, to what, what what they're going to chat with us about. So guys, thanks a bunch. We appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks next time. Okay. Bye.
2: This
1: podcast produced and distributed by MWB studios.